Wings Up, a podcast about FAMU athletics, is here to talk about FAMU in a positive light, what's going on, and always keep you abreast as to the most up-to-date events related to FAMU athletics, whether it's football, basketball, tennis, or even FAMU golf. We're going to talk about it. We're going to bring it up to the light. We're going to share it so that you can brag and tell all your other friends in the swag that FAMU is the greatest school on this side of heaven. I'm Keith Hadley, and I am a graduate of Florida University, and I also run the FAMU Fifth Quarter on Twitter. Like the Twitter page, follow it, and make sure you share it with your friends so that they can keep up to date as to how great FAMU is, so that if they're not a rattler, they can know their kids need to be. Greetings and salutations. This is another episode of Fangs Up. And in this episode, we're going to talk about FAMU basketball, FAMU baseball, FAMU softball, FAMU football. And we're going to finish off by giving Coach Wiggins her flowers. Uh, if you have not seen, Coach Wiggins was inducted into the MEAC Hall of Fame. So with that being said, let's get started. FAMU played in the SWAC tournament this past weekend. And it wasn't the outcome we all wanted. It's the outcome that some of us may have feared. And the Rattlers go out losing. And it's a close game. And we're, we play Alabama and I'm a familiar foe on the season. We split the season series one and one. And FAMU's going to lead most of the first quarter and at the half. And the low shot percentage is, is going to be the killer for us. And both teams struggled shooting in general. Both teams shot less than 20%, uh, less than 25% correction there. And it just was not very good, watchable basketball shooting-wise, but the effort was there. The players were trying hard. And much of the reason for the low percentage from Alabama A&M was because FAMU was running the press defense. And the press defense that FAMU was running gave Alabama A&M fits. It was the difference in the game. It was giving the players energy. You could see the FAMU players very excited. MJ was emotional to the point where the commentators are like, the normally calm and collected MJ Randolph. And he was very demonstrative. And you could tell he wanted to win. And it was a... It was a thing that we definitely needed, in my personal opinion. So I, I really was excited to see it. We are going to see our leading scorer at the half was Cam Reeves. He's going to lead with eight points. Not your normal 15-20 that you see when you're looking at pro basketball or maybe sometimes even MJ himself. But what you're going to end up seeing is those shots were big. Cam has a four-point play in there. He shoots a three, gets fouled. The team's excited. The guys are pumped. It's a great atmosphere for the Rattlers in the first half. And then the last about three, four minutes happen in the half, and we get cold. The the game kind of gets away from us. We're not hitting our shots as often. And Alabama A&M makes a huge comeback, and you're going to start to see that we may have some problems going forward if things don't change and we're going to see there are going to be some areas where the Rattlers are going to be successful though one of which was going to be MJ's ability to attack the middle MJ is a slashing guard very nice mid-range game he's not a three-point shooter but 
his mid-range game is very consistent. He's able to get to the cup a lot. He's able to draw a foul. And you see that is going to be kind of his path of success throughout the season. And we try that, and it works at times. And by the second half of the game, it's really not working as often. Largely, I feel like we kind of wear ourselves out a little bit. But MJ plays 40 minutes, and his shot percentage is not great. He's If he goes back and looks at it on ESPN, he, he's going to be a, a bit upset if you ask me. Very low percentage. And it, it, some of it is because by the end of the game, some of the shots are desperation shots, and some of it that was tired. Uh, we, we ran that press the entire game. And in the first half, it worked. In the second half, not so much. And in the second half, one of the big things is going to be the free throw line. The free throw line has been a bugaboo for FAMU all season long. If you are familiar with this program, you have definitely seen that sometimes we hit our free throws. Sometimes we don't. And this ain't an Almond Joy commercial, y'all. So you got to hit them. And those were the difference in the game. Alabama A&M is going to attempt 27 free throws. And they hit about 22 of them. So you're talking about 22 points off of free throws right there. We only lose the game by five, six points. I mean, it's it's not a big loss. Those free throws were the difference in winning and losing the game. FAMU gets to the line nine times. We go six for nine, meaning we hit two-thirds of a shot. So um, that's not bad. I mean, you would like to be closer to 70%, but considering what we have looked like at the free throw line this season, I'm not upset with that shot percentage. I'm just more so looking at the amount of times that we went in comparison to the other team. And I I wasn't watching the game screaming at the refs. It wasn't one of those games. I definitely felt like there were about four calls that I would be complacent about that I did not like. But other than that, it wasn't a game that I felt the refs took from us. It was a game where I felt like we wore ourselves out. That press, you can run a press for a long time, but the problem with running a press for a whole game is it not only makes it very difficult for the team you're playing to get the ball across and around the court, but it also wears out your talent. And when your arguably best player on the team is playing 40 minutes and he's impressed the entire time, it's no shock that he's going 7 for 20 in the game. And at the end of the game, he's not hitting a lot of his shots. His legs, in my in my opinion, may have gotten tired. Uh, not not questioning the gentleman's conditioning. I'm just saying, 40 minutes is a long time to be running around. I mean, I'm, I'm in my 30s, and I didn't play basketball a long time. But when I do play basketball, I'm playing zone because <laughs> I'm not in that kind of shape anymore. And to throw your students into that kind of pressure defense for 40 minutes, it's going to take a toll on them. And it's not just going to take a toll on their ability to make shots, but it's going to take a toll on their ability to play defense. And we eventually see that at the end of the game, Alabama a is able to break the press. They're able to cause havoc at times just because I felt like our guys were kind of tired. And they start figuring out how our press works. And the other thing was the rebounding disparity. Alabama A&M has 50 rebounds. FAMU has 36. And 
a lot of those rebounds turn into second chance points. And as a fan, you're you're just watching the game like, come on, man, we gotta we gotta get some of these rebounds. We gotta get some of these plays to fall in our favor. And they don't. And when you are losing at the free throw line, as far as the um, the amount of shots taken and, and the amount of shots made, that they hit they have what three times as many free throw attempts as us. It's a big difference, and even percentage wise. That percent, their percentage is higher, so you're kind of looking over there like, okay, well, they're getting three times as many free throw attempts. They have 14 more rebounds than us. That that's not going to lead to winning basketball because the stats and analytics are going to show that teams that hit their free throws, teams that win the rebounding difference, tend to win the game unless there's a difference in turnovers. And there was, fam, you actually had an advantage in turnovers. And to me, that helped keep us in the game because if our turnovers are, are higher, we get smoked. But the fact that FAMU's turnovers were so low meant that we were able to stay in the game. And if we could get more of those rebounds to go our way, we very likely win that game. And the season ends for the Rattlers, and it's a 61 to 56 loss. Again, I predict the season's over. I, I highly doubt we go to a postseason tournament or anything unless there's an HBCU-focused postseason tournament. And even with that, I'm not sure how much you get out of that because you, you really have four major HBCU conferences. You also have Tennessee State that is a Division One team as well. But are, are we going to go that far considering where things are going with Tennessee State as far as the Ohio Valley Conference and the Southwestern Athletic Conference at this time. But for our seniors, we had five seniors, and you hate it for those guys that the season ends like that. But at the same point, hopefully, uh, I don't think any of those guys get caught up in that COVID group of students who are the super seniors who get that extra senior year. But you really hope that they enjoy their experience at Florida Indian University and now is the time to get on the recruiting trail. We've got to get some guys in here. You got to bring them and you have to get them on campus. Have to get them on campus on a set Friday, show them the Lawson Center, take them to Gaither and say, hey guys, these are the facilities we have. This arena can seat 10,000 people just about. And if we're winning, it's bumping. If we're losing, it's not. Keep it a buck with these recruits. But let them know and show them some of the film of this is what the men's games look like. And don't show them the games where the band didn't come and when the band was in Mobile. Show them the games where the band was there. The 100 was rocking. And the the fans are stepping and dancing. And show them how exciting the Lawson Center can be when we're winning games. Because we got some momentum. And if we play our cards right as far as setting up next year's basketball schedule especially putting in a couple games that are winnable you're going to start off the season with a more engaging atmosphere and in a facility that really lends itself very well for college basketball very good sight lines uh, I, I don't I, I don't think there's a bad seat in the Lawson Center as far as for basketball purposes I've never experienced a bad experience there as far as seating wise. And I've sat in the lower bowl and I've sat in the higher portions of the bowl. I, I, it's, it's a really good venue as far as 
uh, for watching a basketball game. So hopefully we're able to see some major updates and some major filling of the gap. I, I definitely speculate some junior college transfers and some college transfers from other universities who maybe didn't get that chance to shine, come to FAMU, show them what MJ did and say, hey, this guy won the conference tournament. He's not a 6'6 guard. He's 6'4, I believe. And see what he did here. He did some really great things. He put up numbers. I, I project MJ playing overseas basketball. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to get a true shot at the NBA just because of his game. He's definitely a slasher. He, he reminds me a lot of a Allen Iverson type of guy. I'm not saying he's Allen Iverson. I'm saying they have similar skill sets, similar games as far as being a guard that can slash being a guard that has a nice mid-range game and at times having to be a volume shooter but MJ is also very unselfish and if he if he gets to hear this I want to give him praises for being a unselfish basketball player in a position where you could completely be selfish and all the fans would support you so um, kudos to the family baseball team Moving forward, though, we had FAMU baseball, and I was able to attend the FAMU baseball game against UCF, and it was a pretty good crowd uh, for a midweek baseball game. Midweek baseball is normally where you stick the teams that are not going to be as well attended. Um, I mean, just being honest, that's how the baseball schedulers do their thing. And UCF's going to put FAMU on the midweek baseball schedule and a one one game, one hit a quitter, and the game actually starts off pretty good. Nice back and forth for the first third of the game, first two-thirds of the game. It's back and forth. UCF, they get some hits. FAMU gets some hits. Like, we're holding our own. We're doing pretty good against UCF, but eventually the sixth inning comes in, and in the sixth inning, it lasted forever, what seemed like forever, but FAMU was overmatched, and again, we hung with them. And one of the things we showed was good plate discipline. Uh, plate discipline is the ability to wait for the pitch that you want. Be able to say if a ball or a strike is coming at you and to be able to wait for a pitch that you like. And we were able to get deep into the counts. And we were able to force a good amount of hitters counts in comparison to being there up there for the pitchers counts. And we, we made some mistakes. We made some errors that were very costly, about three or four of them. Uh, the most egregious was definitely when the pitcher throws the ball and the ball goes into the outfield and UCF scores two runs. And the game gets away from us. It's, it's an 11 to nothing beat down at, at a certain point in time. And you're just like, all right, y'all, we got, we got to do better. But we gave up probably four or five easy runs. You can't do that. It, it definitely gets away from you. I mean, we finish up that game and UCF has 15, 16 points to, you know, a, a good amount of points. FAMU scores a good amount of runs, but it's just baseball is not one of those forgiving games. You can't make a lot of mistakes and you can't give up a lot of points and then win the game. That, that's not how the game is structured. That's not how it's going to work. And UCF's a good team, y'all. UCF has lost two or three games on the season, and they're, they're playing a tough schedule. They're not backing down from anybody. 
They did go over to Daytona to play Cookman. They've played teams like UF, and I mean they they they're not they're not a bunch of slouches out over there. They they have a really good team, and UCF has amazing facilities. Uh, that is a sleeping giant. I'll tell you and anybody else. In ten years, don't be surprised if UCF is the best team in the state. They are a very good team, very good program, hungry fan base, and large fan base. UCF is the largest school in the state. They fluctuate between 69 and 70 plus thousand students. So think about the amount of alumni they're pumping out every year and how many of those are producing some revenue. Would be great if you could get back to 15 or 20,000, but I digress. Uh, that That's a argument for a different area there. But we are currently playing a series against Stetson. And game one, the Stetson broadcaster was talking a little bit of trash. He over there, he was pointing out how we did against UF. Then he pointed out how we did against UCF. And then FAMU hangs with Stetson. The game finishes with a 2-0 to zero loss. And the only reason Stetson got two points, the second one was on an error. And you can tell Coach Shoop's getting a little frustrated and fed up with the errors. Um, he is none too happy about it. And... He's eventually going to um, catch the hook for getting get thrown out arguing balls and strikes with one of the with the umpire. But it's again, it, it's a problem we, we've seen in the last couple of games. At least I've seen it. And it's it was tough, man, because you saw it and it's like, dang, another error. And the it kind of the players get deflated. They lose a little bit of confidence in the team because they understand how baseball works. And it was, I believe, the eighth inning. It was one to nothing. Then finally, it's two nothing going into the ninth inning. And Stetson has pretty good pitching. Stetson's not a bad baseball team. We're playing good quality baseball. That, that's why I'm not overly upset about losing to Stetson and UCF in Florida. The Gators have a minor league baseball stadium. They are minor league facilities. UF is producing major league baseball talent. Like, the best player on the Mets is a Gator. Like UF has major league baseball talent. UF UCF has minor league baseball talent. From what I've seen, they got a few guys that are up there, and they they're bringing in a, a kid or two that major league potential. But you're playing against a major league team, then a minor league team, and then in Stetson, a team that kind of on your level. But even still. You're not playing a bunch of slouches. If we were losing to, respectfully, Florida Tech, I'd be upset. But you're not losing to somebody like that. You're losing to teams that have really good baseball talent, and they're they're not holding back. And you can see the difference in facilities. Stetson has really nice baseball facilities as well. And UCF going there, amazing baseball facilities, chairback seats. I mean, I... I enjoy it myself, and if you see the pictures, you can see the picture of the facilities on the Twitter page, on the FQ uh, FAMU Twitter page. So that is where uh, most of my content goes. And Game 3 is today at 1 o'clock. Hopefully FAMU is able to win. The big thing we have to do, we have to limit the errors, continue to get good counts. Again, we, we were able to at times get into hitters counts and try to avoid those pitcher counts. The The last game was a blowout. I didn't watch it uh, until the about 7th, 8th inning. 
But the previous game, game one, I watched the whole thing. I was there for most of the UCF game as well. I left the UCF game about the seventh inning, um, beginning top of the seventh. I left. Uh, it was getting late. But, again, good, good ability to push for hitter's counts. A hitter's count, again, for anyone who is not familiar, is a count in which or a measure of balls and strikes in which there's normally more balls than there are strikes. So if a batter has three balls and one strike, that's a hitter's count because for the in the hitter's case, whether I take this pitch or not, meaning whether if I swing or not, it doesn't matter because if it's a strike, it's a three, two count, meaning three balls, two strikes. So whereas if you are in pitcher's counts, there is one strike, zero balls. The pitcher has an advantage. Two strikes, no balls. The pitcher definitely has an advantage. And now as a batter, you have to make an adjustment because when it's a hitter's count, you can be more relaxed. You don't necessarily have to swing at the ball. If you swing at the ball, great. If you don't, it doesn't matter. Whereas if it's a pitcher's count, if you don't swing at this ball, you might get out. So now you're more aggressive. You're taking, you're swinging at balls that may or may not be in the zone. Because right at this point, you're just trying to keep seeing the next pitch. And you're trying to put a ball in play. And so we saw a lot of, uh, a lot of that from our older players where you were able to see that they were able to get into hitters counts where they saw more balls and strikes and they saw more pitches. And the purpose of seeing more pitches as a baseball player is you want to make somebody make a mistake. It's, it's just the same idea of if someone does something enough times, you're going to get good at it. Yes. But if you have to do the same thing over and over, and then all of a sudden the margin margin of error continues to decrease. Now that's putting me in a position where I may be able to catch you on a mistake. Maybe the pitcher, he's thrown four or five pitches. He's not taking as many breaks. Again, it's not the long break you get between somebody walking. It's next pitch. You got to throw it. You got to throw it. Maybe he throws a pitch high. And if he throws a, a hanger, I catch it. It's a home run. And we almost had a home run in the UCF game. It was, ugh. Almost had a home run against uh, Stetson, too, in game one as well. So, these boys can hit. Uh, but we, we're going to need to limit the strikeouts. That's a that's a problem that we, we have. Limit the amount of errors. Because some of our errors are silly. They're very youthful errors. And, and they're indicative of people that are trying to do too much. Like, the guys are trying so hard, they're making mistakes. So you're upset, but at the same point, you get it. You understand. You're like, just calm down, man. Limit the mistakes by limiting the errors. Play within yourself. And you have guys that are just trying too hard at some at a certain point. And uh, it leads to the demise of the baseball team as a whole when some players are trying to do too much. Sometimes just hold the ball, let them advance one base, or hold the runner uh, we, we saw one of the errors was on a double play and ah, just bad throw didn't work. But hopefully fam is able to snag a victory here in uh, Central Florida because it, this this trip to Central Florida has been 
nightmarish. Um, and shout out to Nitro UCS mascot. Always fun to see him. Saw him at the baseball game. Took a picture. Uh, moving on. FAMU softball had a game against Furman, and the weather in Tallahassee has been pretty rough. Checking your family up there, but they had to cancel the game due to the weather, and the ladies have been pretty much off all week because of that, and now they're going to be playing Alabama State. They have a doubleheader today, which is Sunday, at the FAMU baseball or softball complex. Sorry, I said baseball. Uh, at this point, if they haven't named it the Wiggins uh, <laughs> Wiggins Stadium, we need to reconsider it being uh, renamed for Coach Wiggins. But that's my personal bias. Uh, but the series finale is tomorrow, and hopefully the FAMU ladies can get off a losing streak. Got a two-game losing streak going on, but we played good teams. You played Florida State and some other teams and went down to Tampa last week and got your uh, – couple wins but then got two losses out of that so we're looking to bounce back hopefully getting into conference play helps us right the ship and also develop a habit of winning that's going to continue going forward because this isn't a program for losers FAMU softball has a pretty good tradition of winning and it's been like that ever since I can remember I mean at least 10 20 years FAMU softball has been a very viable product winning product and from coach Wiggins time to now we've seen FAMU softball do some really great things now FAMU football though FAMU football you would think it's football season's over not much is going on au contraire FAMU football is still popping things are going on up there on the highest of seven hills you can actually see in the videos where they're practicing at Bragg while the construction is going on and uh, the stadium looks good so far. Uh, shout out to the Ram Construction Company there. But spring practice is going to be taking a break until the 23rd of March. And largely, you'll notice most of the sports right now are on a break or hiatus for this particular week. Spring break is here for the college students. Y'all go have fun and be safe. But all this spring practice in preparation for the orange and green game that's going to be on April 9th. And if you saw Allison Posey's report online, I saw it on Twitter. Shout out, Allison. Uh, she, she interviewed Coach, and Coach was talking about some of the defensive adjustments that we are making and some of the ways that the departures on defense were addressed through recruiting. And I definitely highlighted that in the recruiting special that uh, I did earlier. But we're seeing where... You lost players like Savion Williams. You lost Marquise Bell. And these guys have graduated and are looking to showcase their skills as they prepare for the NFL draft. And we definitely saw that doggone Marquise Bell put on a show. He drops a 4-4-40 the first time, and then he drops a 4-4-5 the second time. He looks very fluid in the drills. Ball skills look really good. He came away as one of the winners of the NFL Combine. Him in that uh, corner from South Carolina State. Yeah, uh, that that kid looked good, uh, respectfully. But we saw these guys made themselves some money at that event. And FAMU's going to have NFL Pro Day coming up. And it's on March 28th. I saw a lot of y'all retweeted that. I want to say thank you. Anybody who retweets anything that I drop on the FAMU fifth quarter page, 
thank you. I appreciate it. If you follow the FAMU Fifth Quarter Twitter page, I've gotten into the habit of sending you a DM telling you thank you because I really appreciate it. It definitely helps me uh, get the product out and get the ideas out that are related to Florida A&M University. But the FAMU Pro Day is March 28th. I believe that is a Monday and FSU's is on the 29th. Let's make sure we hype these up. Hype this up. If you're going to retweet or talk about it, and I'm definitely going to mention it again uh, just to make sure I get out there. But at your favorite football team, have them make a plan to come to Tallahassee. Visit Tallahassee. It's a wonderful city. They can stay at the Hyatt, whatever, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and they ain't paid me to say that, but I, I really am a Tallahassee and I, I love my city. And I, I'm always here for uh, financial windfalls for the city. But. We need to make sure these teams know FAMU's Pro Day is on the 28th because it's not. we're not that far removed from when FAMU had a Pro Day and no one showed up at all. Like, that that was embarrassing as a FAMU fan. And then FSU had their Pro Day, and I believe some of our players may have went over there so they could get to meet with the teams. Like, and somehow the information didn't get out there. There was a snafu between some people, but... Let's not have that happen again. Let's make sure that we share it. Let's make sure that we let people know that FAMU Pro Day is coming. The Bucks need to be there. The Jags ain't got no excuse. Like, the Dolphins, okay, it's eight hours. I, I, I can let you slide. The Falcons, mm, mm, not a lot of excuses. The Saints, mm, you're closer than the Dolphins. There, there should be four teams there, at least. And if the Jaguars don't come... Shame on them, because you're you're the local football team for Tallahassee. So, like, miss me with that. Like, NFL Pro Day is on March 28th, according to Pro Football Focus, and fam, you should have some NFL presence there. Shout out to the gentleman that came. If you watch the uh, the Why Not Us documentary, you were able to see that FAMU's ability to get pros um pro scouts there we go i'm sorry pro scouts to come to the university and sorry my computer just randomly shut off on me um is it's there and we we have garnered attention players like marquise bell and savian williams being on campus and transferring in are drawing a good light on the florida a&m university and we need to ensure that we let these teams know because if we don't hype our players up no one else will just being honest, other other broadcasters who may be interested, they may say one or two good things. But Savian was not at the NFL com- draft combine, so we need to hype him up. Bishop Bonnet was not at the combine. We we need to have people see these guys and come in and see what they're capable of. CFL teams need to be there. Saskatchewan, Toronto, Hamilton. Winnipeg, all these teams need to be there to be able to see our players because just because you don't make the NFL don't mean you're a failure. You can go to the CFL and make, have a $100,000 job and have a career for several years. Great opportunities abound for these gentlemen, and we need to make sure that we are retweeting, calling, texting, whatever mechanisms we have to reach out to these professional sports teams need to be utilized so that we can get our guys 
into the league and into positions where they are able to highlight what FAMU is capable of doing and producing. Because let's let's be honest, part of the reason South Carolina State is able to recruit as well as they are is because they have dudes in the NFL. Part of the reason North Carolina A&T is able to recruit as well as they have been able to do, they have a guy in the NFL. Tariq Cohen is killing the league in Chicago. We see Hargraves, I believe, is in Pittsburgh, killing it. Like South Carolina State right now has the most NFL players in the league, and Jackson State's about to come for it. Like, let, let's be honest. Jackson State's about to put some dudes in the league because Dion is getting high-quality transfers. His recruits are good. But all of a sudden, these dudes that are transferring from Florida State aren't going to say, I'm, I'm a Florida State Seminole now that they're Jackson State. No, they're Jackson State Tiger. Like, Marquise Bell is not going to say he's from Rutgers. No, he's from Florida A&M University. Savion Williams is not from the University of Tennessee. He's from Florida A&M University. So now that these guys are here at FAMU, we need to celebrate them, hype them up, and share their information as much as possible. In finishing the show, last week I shared some somber information uh, about Coach Durant. He had, he'd passed. Um, in, in black culture, we normally say passed instead of saying someone died. But uh, he, he was a great man, great coach. His services were at the Enrichment Center there in Tallahassee. If you're not familiar with the Enrichment Center is, the Enrichment Center is a facility owned by the Primitive Baptist Churches, and they take their major or large events to that area. And there were some pictures shared on the FAMU uh, Alumni Association page on Facebook. And I I just really say a thank you. Uh, Coach Durant was great to me and my FAMU experience. And I I really was able to just really appreciate him. I actually had Coach Durant as my golf coach. He was not the baseball coach when I was there. Coach Lucas was the baseball coach when I was there. And the family baseball program has always been good to me and the, the products of it have also as well. So um, I, I just really made sure I shouted Coach Durant out last week and I, I gave him his flowers in person. I always told him, thank you, Coach. And Coach was always just the nicest guy in the room. Uh, but to end up with a glowing moment, something to celebrate, something to be excited about, Coach Veronica Wiggins. That is my softball coach, and uh, I say that lovingly, and I say it honestly. I took softball as a class when I was in college, and I remember walking in and being like, "Why are you here?" And she's like, "Why are you here?" And I was like, "Are you 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 the softball coach?" She's like, "Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir." I'm like, you you teach the class too? I said, "Coach, you do it all, don't you?" She said, "I I do," and she was so honorable and so um so humble. Coach Wiggins has been a great person. If you're listening, Coach Wiggins, I personally have fond memories from my uh, encounters with you and my opportunities to take your class was so fun. Coach Wiggins talked trash, too, if you ain't know. like Coach Wiggins had her glasses on, talked cash money. I remember we, uh, we had her class. And to share a story, we were in the batting cages, and I'm, I'm left-handed, and Coach Wiggins did not hit stand behind the little protective fence really like there's a little protective net and coach Wiggins just putting the ball up there just hiking and you said i'm sitting over there like this lady is way too uh-uh and so i'm gonna hit this i'm gonna hit the ball but i don't want to hit her and so she's like why you ain't hitting the ball right i said coach i don't want to hit you 
Coach was talking to you. She said, boy, I put so much English on this ball, you ain't going to never hit me. I said, okay. She said, hit it. I said, and I just started hitting the balls. There you go, baby. There you go. And just pouring so much life and love into you. And she was just so much fun. And I'm pretty sure I'm gushing over Coach right now. But Coach Williams meant a lot for me. I have no problem in saying Coach Williams is probably the winningest coach in Florida A&M softball history. And if we haven't named the softball complex after her, if it still says the family softball complex in the next two to three years, we need to name it for Coach Williams. And we need to do it while she's still on this side of heaven. Like, that's, don't let, let's not let her pass and then all of a sudden want to name something after her. That's about a bunch of bunk to me. Name, give somebody their flowers while they're here. And Coach Wiggins is more than deserving to have that softball complex named after her because she did so much. While she was there, the facility changed. It got better. The program got better. And Coach Wiggins was always out there hustling. Her team would be selling the programs before the games and all kind of things. So it's just, it was a pleasure to have been in her presence and it's also a pleasure to see her get her flowers and be inducted into the MEAC Hall of Fame. So that being said, y'all, um, congratulations, Coach Wiggins. I also forgot to shout out our football coach. FAMU's football program is doing things, y'all. I, I, FAMU's football program, Coach Black. Congratulations, Coach. Coach Black has earned a fellowship with the Los Angeles Rams. And again, I talked about it a few weeks ago. When the running backs coach left, he left for Middle Tennessee State University. I said it when the offensive line coach left for Austin P. FAMU has a good program, y'all. You have coaches that are here that are growing, and they are doing productive things. You don't have large mass departures because they don't like Coach uh, Simmons. You're not seeing that. You're seeing people that leave, and when they leave, they leave for promotions. They're not leaving for lateral movements or decreases in pay because they're frustrated with coach. No, they're leaving because they are getting raises. They're getting better opportunities. And let's keep it a buck, y'all. The end-all, be-all is not going to be FAMU if you're trying to move professionally in the field of coaching because Coach Simmons don't make what Coach Norvell makes. He may have a better record, but he don't make what Coach Norvell makes. And while we would like for that to happen one day, we'd love to be able to become uh, some type of billionaire and make FAMU that kind of place. We're not there yet. And until we get to that kind of place, FAMU is going to continually lose assistance and coaches to other schools that can pay more because that's life. You, you don't stay somewhere and take less money. So, Shout out to Coach Black. Uh, wishing you the best in Los Angeles with the Rams. Definitely, he shared it on Twitter. I retweeted it. If you're not following FQ FAMU on Twitter, what are you doing? Follow it. Uh, like and comment. I do comment back. And just do all you can to support Florida A&M University because I definitely do on my end. As always, y'all, thank you for listening. And it's going to always be Fangs Up.